Yes, the book of Revelation tells us more about heaven than any other book in the Bible, but it is not about those things. The theme of the book of Revelation is the person, is the ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the worship of, I should say, because that's what we're dealing with here. And we, we got uh, through the beginning of this as the scene is being set. We have the throne. He sits upon the throne, God the Father. Around him are the four beasts, the cherubim, uh, that surround the throne of God. And just throw in something uh, in uh, the Old Testament. The devil is called the anointed cherub that covereth. We have these four beasts the Bible talks about. And sometimes we wonder why the Bible uses the word beast instead of of, um, uh, men or uh, angelic beings or any of those other uh, words that we would think more descriptive. And yet, you read read, uh, other accounts, they had hooves like uh, cattle do. Uh, They had wings like birds do, uh, and they were mighty in power. And so the the Bible uses that, and they had four faces. One was an ox, one was a lion, one was an eagle, and the fourth was a man. And so how would you describe something like that? What word would you use? Uh, I think our Bible's got a pretty good word, don't you? I mean, it is just a being of undescribable proportions. The thing that always just gets me a little is they have the wings full of eyes. And uh, you just sit there and go, whoa. I mean, uh, people cannot dream up anything as extraordinary as is already written in the Scriptures. Amen. And so as we have the throne set, we have the elders around the throne. We have these four uh, and 20 elders, which are representative, if if we can uh, understand this very simply. And again, in chapter 5, it's going to clarify this. This is Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, those that have been saved from mankind Uh, We don't make a big difference between Old Testament and New Testament in the book of Revelation because it's all right there, present tense. It's those that have been redeemed. And they are praising God and giving Him glory because of creation. Now comes chapter 5, and as John is able to focus in on the right hand of Him that sits on the throne as a book. This book's written inside, it's written outside. We went through last time and covered the fact that this book could have been in a booklet shape or as it was with Ezekiel, as this same book is described there, it was the role of a book. And if you don't like that terminology, complain to God because he put it in the book of Ezekiel, amen? And don't go to the commentaries and look for excuses to correct your Bible. Look to your Bible to correct your understanding. Amen? And so as we get here, John 
kind of messes things up. And let me tell you something. How often do we do this? Are we just not in sync with what God is trying to accomplish? Our focus is always on the wrong things. Do you think God was going to ask a question that he wasn't going to answer? And leave all of heaven and the whole realm of praising God just sitting there going, I guess nobody can open the book. No. Sometimes in this instance we can see clearly that God was asking a question to exalt the Son. And it's just a great lesson to apply to our lives. Sometimes God will put questions in our life. Is it because he doesn't have the answer and he wants you to figure it out? I always love it when I'm, well, I don't. Uh, when I'm working on something, I'm sitting here trying to figure something out. And I'm just going, now, what do I do here? Well, Dad, if you did this. That's not what I was asking, son. I was not asking you to figure it out for me. Just let me think a moment. I'm talking out loud. Give me, give me just a minute. No one else has ever experienced that. No one ever has done that, now have you? We all have. And that's what John was doing here. He was focusing on the wrong thing... He, he was uh, astounded by the pause. They couldn't find anyone. No, God just wanted the drum roll to go a little longer. He was trying to build the tension a little more so that when the lamb that had been slain burst upon the scene, all of the universe, as we're going to find out toward the end here, every creature in heaven, in earth, in the sea, under the earth. God was pretty thorough here. Every creature is going to give praise to the lamb that was slain. John almost messed it up. He's standing there just weeping as if his mother had passed away. And one of the elders looks at him and just says, Stop! Weep not! God did not ask the question that he didn't have an answer to. And we get to look at Jesus one more time. We get to look at him as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, the one that has prevailed, the lamb that had been slain. Seven horns, perfect in power. Seven eyes, perfect in understanding, complete and all that is going to come. And verse 7, he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Now, I just want you to touch on one thing as we work our way through the text. Verse 6, and I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Now, remember, this throne is set. It's not a little chair. It's not a big chair. It is a throne for God the Father. 
And as he describes this throne and him that sat upon it, he talks about glowing colors and a rainbow likened to an emerald around it. This is the throne. And in the midst of that, now don't ask me to explain what that means, but in the middle of these glowing colors, at the center of everything that is going on, because God is always at the center of everything. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, the Lamb appears not off to one side as a significant other, but in the midst. Now, how does he walk from the midst of the throne to him that has the book and take it out of his hand? Now, if you can explain that one, see me after church. I'd like to hear it. Amen. Uh, I don't know how that happens. I can't picture that in my mind. All kinds of really interesting things start happening, but it all kind of... But he takes the book... And as he takes that book, the worship of the Lamb begins. And all of a sudden, we see something here. Have you ever wondered why there were only 24 elders mentioned? Well, we have 12 tribes of Israel and 12 apostles of the Lamb. But is that the only elders that are there? Well, let's let's read on here and when he verse 8 and when he had taken the book the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors which are the prayers of the saints and they sung a new song saying thou art worthy to take the book And to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. Now, as we read this, you have to be very careful because you can mix a whole lot of things together that I don't believe the author intended for us to mix together. Do the beast have harps and golden vials full of odors? No, it's the elders. Because the beast were not redeemed out of every kinder. 
I've never met any of those beasts. And if we did, we'd all be deathly afraid. They're not part of us as mankind. And people have tried and, and write and they put in commentaries, well, the 20 and 4 elders are angels. Did God redeem the angels? Did they live here on earth? You know, that popular myth that when you go to heaven, God needed another angel, so he took my... Uh, no, it doesn't work that way. Angels are angels. Men are men. Women are women. And when we get to heaven, what did Jesus say? We will neither marry nor are given in marriage. Why? Because we will be one with the Lamb. We will be, in essence, married to the Son of God. We will be closer. I've, I've heard people lament and say, I, I don't understand how I could be standing right next to to my uh, wife in heaven and not feel some special uh, relationship there. No, you don't understand. As human beings... We will be closer to one another than we any human relationship that we know. Because we will all be one with Jesus Christ. Amen. We will not think of the simple yet wonderful human relationships that we have here. Because what we will have there will be far more incredible than anything you could ever imagine. I only know of one couple. As I was growing up, my pastor said, I've never had an argument with my wife. And I don't know that I really believed him, but I knew his wife. And Mrs. Bowes was just the epitome of the godly woman. And I could imagine, he said, the only problem I have is I don't know what it means to kiss and make up. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is, as all human beings, we're going to have disagreements one with another. We're going to have things that are just going to set us aside a little different when we get to heaven. When we're part of that crowd, that throng, that multitude, we won't have any of those differences. I've, I've been criticized many times because I make such a big deal about doctrine. Uh, why can't you just drop your differences and get along with everybody? Well, I'm not trying not to get along. What I am trying to do is by, be obedient to the Scriptures. I've got to answer God to God for every sermon that I preach. Every direction that I give. And you are a very nice person, I'm sure. But I've got enough to answer to without adding you to the list. Amen? We just want to be as simple and as biblical as we can be. Because one of these days we're going to be standing there worshiping the Lamb. And we don't know everything. We can't know everything. But these elders have harps. They have golden vials. 
or pitchers or containers, however you want to call them, full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, the word odor in modern English has a starkly negative connotation. Uh, in the Old English, it did not. The word odor meant something that had a strong smell. The As we go from the Bible through the Bible, beginning to end, we see that this thing of incense in the Old Testament tabernacle specifically is a picture or a physical understanding of what our prayers ought to be. There was incense that was to be offered on that golden altar before the veil every morning and every night. It was to continually be burning. Now, as we talk about incense and prayer, one of the first questions that always comes up in somebody's mind is, well, pastor, what about the incense that they sell uh, you know, the little Arab guys sell down. The, uh, can I burn that in my house and not be uh, whatever? And, and, and am I doing something wrong? And uh, if you can stand the smell of that stuff, be my guest. Has nothing to do with your prayers. That incense is just stuff on a stick. Uh, it gives me sinus trouble. Um, uh, but that's not... The incense that was offered in the tabernacle was a picture of prayer. When we get to Revelation chapter 8, we're going to find that there's a mighty angel that puts much incense on and the, and the smoke arises before the throne of God. And if you were here when we went through the tabernacle, we spent hours on describing the incense and how it works and the different types of our prayers. And, and the only point that I want to bring out now is that when God uses a picture to represent his desire to hear our prayers, he uses a sense of smell. Do you realize that the sense of smell is the most complex sense that mankind has? Your nose is much more sensitive than your eyesight is. You can smell two or three different smells all at the same time and determine where they're coming from. The bread comes from the bakery. The dumpster smell comes from the restaurant right over there. Uh, and the train smell and all. I mean, it's just all there and... Mankind has been able to do everything, but it's only been in recent history have, have they been able to duplicate or try to come close to what the nose comes to. What the nose, and God is interested, and these saints, and we left off last week just asking the question, I'm just going to ask it one more time, I don't know. But I wonder if that golden vial full of odors will be your prayers. If it works out that way, there'll be some with some great big vials. And there'll be some with some thimbles. Uh, your works are going to be tried. We already found in chapter 4 that these elders had crowns upon their heads, that the Bible tells us those are the rewards of the Christian and not everybody's going to get the same crowns. 
And we are going to use those to worship God. It's just an interesting thought. What if you had to survive on a physical representation of your prayers while you were here on earth to get you through eternity praising God? Here goes the offering. And your prayers go, all done. That's not what we want, amen? Prayer does not change God. But God will use prayer to change us. And so, they sing a new song in verse 9. Now, what that simply means is they're singing a song that has never been written. Now, I was listening, sometimes I listen to music um, to blot out other sounds so I can think and study. And one of the songs, I, uh, or collections of music, I love to listen to Handel's Messiah. And because it's three hours of King James Scripture put to music. And... Uh, as I was listening, I, I got the part, glory and honor and blessing to him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb forever. That verse is in there. But that's not the song they're going to be singing in heaven. It's going to be a new song. I don't know what it's going to sound like. And anybody that thinks they does, don't. Amen. Uh, it's going to be a new song, but here are the words. Number one, thou art worthy to take the book. We go back to the beginning of the chapter. Why did God take so much time here that poor John, as he was watching it, became overwhelmed with fear that no one would be found to open the book is because God wanted to set the stage for the worthiness, the singleness, the uniqueness of the Lamb that had been slain. God, the Son. God is interested in one thing. Glorifying God. And so we have here God the Father glorifying the Son. God is not a modal thing where... Okay, I'm, I had a guy explain it to me this time, and I've told the story and won't go through it again. I'm Pete Montoro, the pastor. I'm Pete Montoro, the father of my children. And I'm Pete Montoro, the husband of my wife. And I said, there's only one problem. If Pete Montoro, the pastor, and Pete Montoro, the father, start talking with each other, uh, there's little men and there's men in little white suits that are going to come and take me away to a very unpleasant place. God's not schizophrenic. He's not multi-personality. He is three complete, distinct persons. That's how the Lamb appears in the midst of the throne. He is God. How He walks and takes the book out of the hand, I haven't quite figured that one out yet, but I'm looking forward to watching it. Amen? And he, once he takes the throne, it says, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Now, why are, is, is this lamb that had been slain worthy to take this book? 
For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. It says, He is worthy to take the book. As we see the seals open, we're going to see the wrath of Almighty God kept in store for all ages poured out upon this earth. Why is He worthy to take that book? Because he satisfied God's wrath on the cross. Read Isaiah chapter 53. It says he'll see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. That's why you must come to the Lamb and accept what he did on the cross to pay the price for your sins, or you will endure the wrath of God, as this book is opened. First of all, thou hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. And let me tell you, God is no respecter of persons out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests. Now, I want you to look at verse 10 very carefully. And we shall... Future tense, reign on the earth. It's not saying we are reigning on the earth. It says we shall reign on the earth. Hasn't happened yet. And we'll touch on this. Just remember that because when we get to the end, I just want to spend a few minutes tonight, if I can keep things moving here, on just plain uh, understanding and, and looking at the Word of God in a simple way. But in verse 11, it says, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and beast and the elders and the number of them. Now, how many beasts were there? Four. How many elders were there? Well, there are 24 that sit around the throne. And there are many angels. But the total number is 10,000 times 10,000. Now, I think I did the math right. That's 100 million. Um, I don't even think NYPD could count a crowd of 100 million people. I don't know anybody that could count a crowd like that. And then it says, and thousands of thousands. Well, a thousand thousands is a million dollars. You want to be a millionaire? Just find a thousand people to give you a thousand dollars and you'll be a millionaire. Now, good luck. But the number there, does that mean there are millions and millions and gazillions of angels? Or maybe there's more than just 24 elders. I believe it's talking about all of the saved. We have the 24 elders representing the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And of course, somebody's going, okay, Judas betrayed the Lord. Who's the 12th apostle? Is it Paul? Uh, Was it Matthias? Uh, Which one is it? Uh, Why don't you let God figure that out? Amen. Don't worry about it. 
And how many of you have ever counted the 12 tribes of Israel? How many are there? 13. Because Levi was not counted as one of the regular tribes for the inheritance and for military service and all those other things. And Joseph got counted double because his father pronounced a blessing on him, Ephraim and Manasseh. And so, which 12 are going to be around the throne? And you'll find it listed different places. Different tribes are left out. Somebody said the tribe of Dan was left out because they were the idolatrous tribe. Uh, I don't think God leaves anybody out. Amen. And so don't get caught up in those kind of details because they're just going to lead you round and round in circles. And what if you do figure something out and if you are right, does it help you serve God more? And No. Rule number one of biblical understanding. If what you're trying to understand does not help you live more according to the scriptures, don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. We're going to get to the, the verse, the, the chapter in the book of Revelation, chapter 13 says, I saw the beast arise out of the sea. And everybody's trying to figure out who the Antichrist is. Don't worry about that. You worry about serving Christ today. You worry about having some prayers to offer. Just in case that vial is full of your prayers and not somebody else's. Amen? And so we go on and it says, Thou hast made us kings and priests... Thou hast made us unto God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I heard the voice, and we come down here saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power. And we go on here, and we're going to just take a few minutes and go through this list. But all of these voices are chiming in. And they are saying that the Lamb is worthy to receive power. Why? Because He's the only one in the entire universe. God made a careful search. He is the only alternative. He is the only being that is in existence that is worthy to pick up the book. That God will hand the book to. Riches. Do you think God is poor and He needs to receive Riches, you know, it's talking about our worship to God. It's talking about the things that we give to Him. Wisdom. Does God need more wisdom? No, just like He doesn't need more riches. He has all wisdom. He has all riches. But what we are doing is extolling God for who He is. Praise is giving God glory for who He is. Thankfulness is giving God praise or glory for what He has done. If all you do is praise God, it's because you have nothing going on in your life worthy of giving thanks. 
What do you have in your possession that God did not give you? Might that be why he's worthy to receive riches? Amen? What wisdom do you have that he did not give you? Well, maybe that's why he's worthy to receive wisdom. Amen? Does he need to be stronger? No, we do. And what we're going to do in heaven is we're going to give him glory for the strength that he gave us to serve him while we were here on earth. Honor and glory and blessing. These are all the things that we will give to God. But how do you give glory and honor and blessing to God? Read the book of Ephesians. That in the ages to come, he might show the goodness of his work. I'm not quoting the verse perfectly, but he's going to show his goodness in our lives in eternity. And this is how we return that praise. Heaven is about worshiping and glorifying God. Now, if you have to have a rock band and jump up and down and scream hallelujah to praise the Lord, you're going to be really missing out on a lot that's in heaven. Because what's going on up there is real events that happen in real people's lives. It's not some trumped up, ginned up something. This is things that God did. You are going to recognize that he gave you power over sin. Whatever sins you had victory over, it was his power that gave it to you. Whatever strength, whatever riches, whatever wisdom. You know, the Bible tells us to honor unto whom honor. If someone honors you for serving Christ, who gets that honor? That's what heaven's going to be about. Giving him the glory for every good thing that he did. You know what blessing is? That's making happy. You know what? God wants to be pleased. My children often. And if you have children, make sure that you spend time with them. Making them pleased. Making them know that you're pleased with them. I hate this word while I'm proud of you. Pride is the greatest sin in the Bible. I I just really... You know what? I, I like to tell my kids, I'm, Daddy's pleased. Daddy's pleased with you. I'm thankful that you read your six books. I'm thankful that you did this. I'm thankful that you fixed Mama's washing machine when it broke down and I was in Oklahoma. But I'm not thankful that you won't be quiet right now. Amen? Wouldn't you like to make God happy? Wouldn't you like to say, hear God say, and on this day, put your name in there. Blessed me by just simply being obedient to my word. Now, how special is heaven going to be? No words can describe that. 
when the creator God of the universe takes notice of you as an individual. This is what chapters 4 and 5 is all about. And guess who's in charge? Jesus is. Amen? And it says, in every creature... Uh, can anybody think of a passage that this verse might be in reference to? How about Philippians chapter 2? Every knee shall bow and confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And every creature that is in, which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. Now look here. And unto the Lamb, God the Father, God the Son, they can still see a separation between these two forever and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Now the four beasts which began the worship by falling down upon their face before the Lamb, they end the worship by saying, Amen. That's a word we're going to get to use in heaven. Amen. That means, let it be so, of a surety. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him. Right there, it's just talking about laying on your face. Total humility of ourself before the Lamb. Because he lives forever and ever. And the life that we are enjoying at this moment is the life that he gave us. The life that we will enjoy at that moment when these things happen will be because of the lamb that was slain and yet liveth forevermore. Amen? Now, I just want to take a few minutes here and give us just an overview of where we have come. You see... People have tried to take the book of Revelation and put it in. I was reading a commentary that was written actually during World War II. And the preacher who was writing the commentary actually said, people come up to me and say, Pastor, aren't the events of the book of Revelation happening right now? How could it be any worse than what is going on right now? And his answer was simply this. The book was not unsealed until after the 20 and 4 elders had received their crowns and were in heaven in the presence of the Lamb. thought that was a very good answer. You see, the best way to understand Scripture is to take a simple, literal understanding of what is being Written down. God's time scheme. John verse, chapter 1 verse 19. The things which thou hast seen. That's what Revelation chapter 1 is about. The things which are. Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And the things which shall be hereafter. We are not yet assembled in heaven around the throne, wearing the crowns of the rewards that Jesus has given us. 
Therefore, chapter 6, chapters 4, 5, and 6 have not happened yet. Don't try to cram the book of Revelation into somebody else's time frame. There were those that tried to make the churches different ages. No, wait a minute, what did he say? The things which are. All seven of those churches are when Revelation was penned down by John. So therefore, it can't be talking about ages. It has to be talking about real churches. So therefore, we look for ourselves in the mirror of God's Word, and when we see things that are causing problems in these churches, we want to get them out of this church. Amen? And isn't it just a coincidence that there's a voice that calls John up and says, come up hither, a window in heaven was opened. Does that sound like First Thessalonians chapter 4, to meet the Lord in the air, ever to be with the Lord? Sure does to me. That's the connection I make. And since I'm the preacher, I'll make the connections. Amen? But I don't think I'm doing injustice to the Scripture by making that connection. Because it doesn't violate any passage. And then the 24 elders and the 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands and in many angels, it doesn't say 10,000 times 10,000 angels. Somebody wrote a song, 10,000 angels. Uh, He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy this world. They got it from this passage here, but it's not talking about 10,000. It's talking about 10,000 times 10,000. That's 100 million. 100 million saints giving glory to God with one voice. Why do you think God made the universe so big? Something's got to contain the sound. Amen? Imagine what that is going to be like. And so... The seals are about to open. And as we see these seals open, we're going to be talking about real events that are going to happen in real time. Have there been events like this that have happened in history? Yes. Have the events spoken about in Revelation chapter 6 happened yet? Absolutely not. Because the saints are not in heaven. Some of us are still here. There will be people saved during the tribulation period. We're going to run into them in another chapter or so. But we are looking for the voice as if it were a trumpet. Amen. And it's going to say, come up hither. Guess what? You won't have time to erase your internet history. You won't have time to eject your DVD that you were watching. You won't have time to turn off the rock music on the radio. You won't have time to laugh at the dirty joke somebody's telling at work. You'll be instantly in the spirit before the Lamb. That's why we need to live today as he would have us to live. Amen? Because when they sing that song, don't you want your name to be included in there? 
I want his power to be active in my life so that I can say he's worthy to receive it. Amen? I want him to supply my needs so I can say that he's worthy to receive riches. And by the way, riches do not have to be counted in dollars and cents. There are many things riches cannot buy. I think it was, uh, what was it, Getty? That said, all my millions can't buy one happy marriage. They all know he had about eight of them. Listen, riches. Wisdom. Don't you just love it when God gives you direction and you know what to do? And everybody's standing there looking at you. How'd you know to do that? Well, the Bible said, oh, come on. Wisdom. Strength. How did you get through that? Well, Jesus, help me. Strength and honor and glory and blessing unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb that was slain. And lives forevermore. You want to get ready for heaven. You better get serving. Tap into that power. Get his wisdom. People still. In fact. I just put in an article to the Global Independent Baptist Times. About the history of our church. I think. $763,000 counts for riches. Don't you? That's how much we paid for the building. Where'd that come from? From the lamb that was slain. Didn't come from us. <laughs> Amen. Aren't you glad about that? Listen. There's a time frame in the book of Revelation. Just take it as simple and as plain as you can. You know what? Everything that we've looked at just fits right into a natural progression. The next thing we're waiting for is the voice to call us up thither. Then things are going to start. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We ask you to give us understanding of your word. Lord, we ask that you would put into our hearts and minds... That worthy is the Lamb. And that we would live every day dependent upon your power, your riches, your wisdom, your strength, your honor, your glory, and your blessing. That we may hear those words, well done. Lord, prepare us to praise you there. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just have the piano.